It's good to see you. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you found a seat and you made room. And like Justin said, you got to know each other a little bit better. So, um, But it's good to be in worship today. I want to say a welcome to you. I'm Shannon Patterson. I get to be the lead pastor here at the Porch Community Church. And it's a privilege to be able to do what we're doing. And man, is God up to something, folks? Has he been up to something? Okay, three of you think so. So, I don't know. Now, and listen, we, I say that because, and, and I did this last week, I, I started off just kind of sharing some high points because of the, you know, I really believe God is up to something. He's working, he's moving in people's lives. You know, we have, we're still trying to get a handle on it, but we know, I know this just from, uh, the, that's been reported, I guess, if, you know, turned in on the connection cards, but we know that close to over 30 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ in the last seven weeks of our existence as a church. So that is it. That's, that's it. That, that's, the, that's the part that is just so amazing and people have recommitted themselves and that's just as important to saying, you know what, I kind of got off track. You know, I was following after Jesus but then some stuff happened and now I'm, I'm getting my life back to where I believe it's where God wants me to be and how I can serve him and how I can best honor him with my life and that is just as important and vital because, you know, we have a saying here, it's our tagline, we say that we're following Jesus for our community. Will you say that with me? Following Jesus for our community and that's what we want to be doing we don't just want to get together and be like I mean it's great to get together and say yay Jesus and thank you for saving me but then there's a purpose beyond that as we go out into our community and we we share this excitement we share what's going on so it's been great we've had uh, we had some folks partner in ministry in the early service we have a 930 service by the way um, if you don't you don't want to feel quite so European and be so tied up with each other you know Americans we like to spread out a little bit more see um, but so there's a little more room at 9:30. but if you want to be a uh, you can come to that service but we had four two couples four people partner in ministry this morning it was great to welcome them in and you know in the seven weeks of of our existence we've um, we've had two baptisms and we're actually going to have one more today towards the end of the service of people who've said yes to God yes Jesus is my Lord and Savior and they want to make that that public profession of faith and so is that not exciting to to be a part of that I mean this is what God's doing and so I hope that you felt welcomed as you came onto the campus today from the, from the parking team waving you in and the people at the door and our hospitality team. And if you have kids and you dropped them off in the, in the backyard, it's not, we're not just putting them in a fence out there. There's a building, we call it the backyard. Uh, why not? I mean, it works too. But, um, and we just love that. Or if you, you know, your little itty bitties, we've got the nursery next door. But we want to say welcome and, and we want to make this a place where people can come and hear the word of God, be inspired by the word of God, be inspired in worship. 
and then to go and take that with you as you go out. I mean, that's the whole point of all this thing. So, so a lot of great stuff is happening. So we've had people partner in ministry and baptisms and people give their lives to God and that's been the most incredibly important. There's some things coming up I want to tell you about. Um, you heard in the announcement video, but sometimes it's helpful to hear it again. I'm really excited about our next series. So we're concluding our His Church Will Too HCWT series today. But we're starting a brand new one next week called Community. And we're going to spend the next couple of weeks uh, talking about that. And Justin is going to be kicking off that series talking about the, the, just the vital importance of, of being, doing life together and, and sharing that. And that that's really where God starts to work in us and through us. And so that's going to be a great, a great uh, series we're going to be in. And with that, there's gonna, it's kind of going to be paired up combined with the launching of our community groups. You've heard us mention this or talk about it. Um, you know, I believe that you know, we've got an incredible student ministry, just without a doubt. Our, kids, our porch kids ministry is really thriving and starting to build up. Um, but I believe our community groups, especially, I mean, for all ages, but especially for adults, um, is going to be where we really start to walk out our faith together. So I believe this is just crucial to who we are as a church. And so with community groups, I want to say that after this service... Um, you can actually make your way to the backyard. We have got, uh, we've got lunch prepared. We've got hot dogs with all sorts of really, I heard some really interesting toppings that can go on these. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Um, if my, don't let my husband go over there before the service is over because he might beat you to it and then eat, eat, get them all. But, but um, there's going to be a really great lunch. We're going to have hot dogs and come over there, get some food. We're going to talk for a little bit just about what community groups look like, what they could be. You're not signing yourself, your, your life away if you come to the community group's lunch. I promise you, it's just information. But we'd love for you to find out more because that's really, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I keep saying it, but it's really important to the life of our church. I want to mention one more thing because I've never said it from, from, from up here, but you know, usually you go to a church and they hand out like bulletins or you know, some sort of information and paper. And what we found from experience is that we were throwing away a lot of paper every week. And so what we've done is the, there's, a, there's a card in front of you, a connection card in the seat pocket in front of you. Um, there's one that says take home and one that says, I think, turn it in. And, and that's one way we, you can let us know what's going on. But the information that you might want to usually read in a bulletin or read and some information about what's happening, all that stuff is out there on the wall that we call our next steps wall. All the things you might want to read in a bulletin or read in a newsletter are printed out there on the next steps wall. And you can go out there before the service, after the service, take whatever information you want. You can take some to give to other people. You might have been talking to uh, some of your friends or folks about our student ministry. Well, take one of those, the information out there, a card that's got that info on that, you can give it to them. So that next steps wall is really, really important. So I just wanted to say all that. Man, it's been, it's just been amazing. Um, as we have just been moving along here. Uh, one more thing about information, okay? Um, so we've got our next steps wall. We've launched this week our, um, our email. You know, we have an incredible um, social media presence. I mean, Facebook, Instagram, I mean, it's, it's, it is known out there. How many of you guys see stuff about the Porch Community Church during the week in our social media? 
okay? I mean, it's, it's doing very well. We know not everyone's on social media, and sometimes we need a little bit more info. Well, we've launched our, our, our newsletter this week. It's an email format. It's called Community News, and if you want to receive that, then fill out that connection card, put newsletter on it or community news on it, and you can turn that in later with the ushers, and we'll make sure we add you to that because we want you to know what's going on. We want you to know how you can be the presence of Jesus in our community. So, um, so as we wrap up this series, as, as we wrap this up, uh, I, I want to pray real quick before we jump in and, and look at uh, Ephesians together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of it. Thank you for the promise that is found in it. God, I thank you how you inspire us by it. You speak things to us that maybe we didn't see before, even the day before, the same words, and yet you, by your Holy Spirit, teach us and move us. And God, I pray that this morning that your word found in Ephesians chapter 2 will come alive. It will, it will speak into the, the deepest parts of us especially those of us that might be a little calloused or a little bruised or maybe a, a, our heart is a little hardened because of life, because of things that have happened, because of decisions made or decisions not made. But God, would your words speak to us in such a, a loving way, in such, a, in, in such a, a compassionate way to us this morning that we would hear from you and we would respond to you and I pray all this in the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So we have been talking about his church will too. It started from the question, what would Jesus do? Well, reading scripture, we know that Jesus would love first. We know that. So how then as the church do we carry this out? As we started this church, how do we carry out what Jesus did? Practically, what does that look like? Um, and so we said, well, all right, if this is what Jesus did, then his church will do it too. And so we've been spending these several weeks looking at some of the things we've seen Jesus do and then saying, all right, how do we do it? And so today, I believe all the things we've talked about up to this point lead to this. It, it's all like just been a focal point. This is it. It's all coming to a head today. All the things we've seen Jesus do and we've talked about we will do as a church come to this. And it's this. This is what Jesus would do. This is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus is doing. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Two words, Jesus saves. Now those are powerful words, but let's, I want to be honest with you. We live in the United States of America. We live in the South. We live in the Bible Belt. We are right here, and, and we hear those words, and we kind of go, yeah, okay, Jesus saves. Yep, Jesus saves. I've seen it on a bumper sticker. I've seen it on things. You know, Jesus saves. Hey, kids, welcome. Hey, our porch kids are joining us this morning because one of their friends is going to be baptized a little bit later, and they want to be in here to celebrate with them, and we also need to make room for our lunch to get it ready for you guys. <laughs> so it kind of works out. Um, so you guys welcome our porch kids to worship this morning. Would you do that? So I'm glad you guys are here, and you're just in time to hear what I think is the most important message that you'll ever hear in your life, and it's this. What is it, folks? Tell the kids. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. So we can kind of run past that, right? Oh, Jesus saves? Sure, got it. No, Jesus saves. 
he saves. And, and, and so, okay, so we're talking about how then does the church do this? Well, we'll go ahead and say it right now. The church doesn't save anybody. The pastor doesn't save anybody. The, the student pastor doesn't save anybody. The kids pastor. No, we don't save anybody. But here's how we carry this message forward. Here's how we make this message come alive that Jesus saves. Here's how I see us as the church. We walk alongside of people. We, we, we have relationships with people. We have connections with people, right? And, and they're asking questions. They want to know more. They want to find out. And what we do as the church is we walk with them. And we go, okay, oh, you're not perfect? Okay, I'm still gonna walk with you. Oh, you're making mistakes? I'm still gonna walk with you. Okay, oh, you're being a knucklehead? All right, mm, I'm still gonna walk with you. And we walk with them up to that point where they say, and hopefully we help them and bring them along to where they respond to God because of what Jesus Christ has done. And then we don't say, hey, good job, see you later, bye, and we go do our thing. We continue to walk with them. So Jesus saves. So then how does the church do that? We commit to walk alongside of people and wherever they are in their journey of faith, even before they've said yes to Jesus. And then we commit to continue to walk with them and help them grow. And folks, that's why we keep talking about these community groups because that's where that walking out happens. This is what we say we're gonna do as a church. So Jesus saves and we're gonna do everything in our power to share that message that Jesus saves. Now, the reason we know for sure that, that we don't do this, it's not on us, it's, it's not you know, waiting on us, is Acts chapter 4, verse 12, before we look at our text in Ephesians, it says this, there is salvation in no one else, okay, only Jesus. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It is only the name of Jesus. He is the one that saves. Mama doesn't save you. Sweet granny doesn't save you. Like, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. So we walk with people. Now, you have heard me say, and I love this because we sang it earlier, about the chasm. There's this great chasm between us and God. I, I will probably, I mean, you might hear me say this every single week because it's the reality, folks. And we want to invite people to come and hear this reality. Sometimes you need to be in the middle of it to get it. But folks, there is a chasm between us and God. God is holy. God is good. He is amazing. And because of our sin, our bad choices, our wrong decisions, because of what has happened to humanity in, in its entirety, we cannot be with God. And we've tried a lot of different ways, haven't we? I mean, through history... There have been so many attempts to get to God apart from Jesus. Let's follow a bunch of laws. Let's add on to the laws. Let's make up some laws. Let's come up with someone else that can maybe get us to God. And none of those things have been right. There are false religions. There are false philosophies out there that might want to make us think that there is another way to God. But in reading scripture, and I believe in the heart of hearts of any one of us who actually stop and, and ask, and stop and ponder our lives, we realize that apart from Jesus, we are in that great divide. There's no way we can get there. We need someone. Now listen, you know, it, it might depend on kind of your life experience and where you've been and what's gone on. Some of you folks have grown up in godly homes. And man, that is a blessing. If you, you know, 
thank your parents, thank your grandparents, thank the, the people in your life that poured into you and gave you an example. I'm not saying that you're perfect and, and we know definitely that they're not perfect, but if you have been in a home, if you've been brought up in a way where people have told you the truth about who Jesus is and what he's come to do for you, be thankful for that, folks, because there's a lot of people that have not heard that. There's a lot of people that have not been told this. There have been people that have not experienced this reality that there is no other name except for the name of Jesus. So be thankful for that. Now, now as we look at Scripture this morning in Ephesians chapter 2, I want to read to you verses 1 through 10. And I encourage you to go and, and read it again later. Uh, read it, read, read a little bit further down. But uh, Paul is writing a letter to a church in Ephesus. Now, here's what I'd love us to do. Let's just imagine that we are Ephesus Community Church. And Paul has written us a letter. And, and, or he's maybe standing before us and he's talking to us. And he's telling us, because this whole Jesus thing, this whole Christianity is kind of a new deal. And so Paul is talking to Ephesus Community Church, and this is what he says. He's explaining something important. Now, when I first became a believer, uh, I was 24 years old. Some of you guys have heard me tell this story. I'm going to give a little bit more in just a minute, but I want to start it off by telling you. When I first became a believer... Um, I was really excited uh, you know uh, I think if if any of you guys have you know you kind of you lived your life one way and then you came to know Jesus you 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 kind of feel that difference you know it's a little bit more like and and so I was really excited I, I didn't I didn't grow up with you know the Christianese I didn't grow up with all the lingo and the sayings and so I didn't really know what to to do with this information but so but I was telling a family member about this change that had happened in my life because I was really excited about it. And so um, I told this family member and, and I know I stumbled and fumbled around with it and I, I finally said, I got saved! Now this, this family member, they weren't trying to be like negative or they weren't trying to shoot me down or anything like that. But this family member was like me. We didn't grow up with all the lingo and all the sayings, so we didn't know. So when I was like, I got saved, this family member looked at me with, with sincerity and said, saved from what? Saved from what? And I know I definitely then fumbled and stumbled around trying to answer that question. I, mean, I, knew, I knew that I had been, but I, trying to put it into words. But that, that, folks, that question is something we need to consider. There are people you know. There are people that you love. There are people you work with. There are people you go to school with. And if you were to look at them and go, I got saved, or to say, I am saved, they truthfully are going to look back at you and go, saved from what? Because they just don't know. Or they haven't quite connected it yet. And the letter that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, he's basically saying, this is what you're saved from. He's answering the question, saved from what? And so we pick it up here in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 2. It explains why we need saving. He says, now remember, he's writing to a church, so we know there's some people there that are, that are for Jesus, right? They've given themselves. and He says, once you were dead... 
because of your disobedience and your many sins, right? Can you kind of see people puffing up a little bit there going, yes, I was. I I used to be one of those, but now I'm not. And then he goes on in verse two, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Oh, yes, I did. I used to. Oh, yes, but no, not anymore. Obeying the devil. Ooh, we don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that anymore. The commander of the powers in the unseen world, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of all those who refuse to obey. So can't you see people going, oh, yeah, I'm glad I'm not on that team anymore. You know, that's not me anymore. You know, you know, Paul, thanks for the review, but I'm glad that we're on the other side of this. And then, you know, if, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I hear someone speaking or I hear someone talking about scripture or things of God, and I think to myself of all the people that I would hope are hearing that message. You know, it's kind of like the, hey, you paying attention. And, and I think that's kind of where I would find myself here because then Paul kind of, he lays out a little dose of reality for us. And he says in verse three, all of us used to live that way. See, can't we forget what we've been saved from, folks? For those of you who'd said, who have already said yes to Jesus, isn't it easy sometimes to forget where we've been? To forget what God has, has saved us from? All of us used to live that way. And then he gets really into the nitty gritty here. And he says, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. Ooh. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. There's, a, there's the chasm. There's the gap between us and God. And then he says, just like everyone else. So quit thinking about other people and make sure you understand this is about you too. That's what I hear when I read that. Verse four, and this is the good news. So Paul's kind of put us in our place, Ephesus Community Church. And then he says this. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, right? That's what separates us from God. God can have nothing to do with sin. Even though we were separated from God, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. The very power of God working in the lifeless body of Jesus that raised him from the dead, folks, is the same power that he works in us when we say yes to Jesus. From dead to life. And then he says this, it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and not only that, I mean, isn't that enough? Right? But then he says, we get like this, like, we become like sons and daughters of Jesus. He says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus. So we are right there with Jesus. And then here comes the point I think of the church it's not just that we make a decision for Jesus, right? If, if it was just about us making a decision for Christ, why don't we all just get beamed up to heaven after we make the decision, right? I mean, if that's really all it's about, why are we still here? There's a point for us here. There is a, there is a purpose for us here. And I believe it says it in verse seven. So, because of what Jesus has done in us, God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. God uses us as an example of his grace. Wow. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. Verse eight, God saved you by his grace when you believed. God does the saving. 
And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. This is not about good works, folks. So none of us can boast about it. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Saved from what? My family member asked. Saved from what? If I could answer that question now, what I would say... Well, before I tell you what I'd say, let me, t- let me tell you a little bit about my saving. I know some of you have heard me, heard me tell little bits and pieces before, but it's the, it's the story that I have because it's the story of God working in my life. See, I was 24 years old and I had, you know, I have, I have a good family, you know, loved us and, you know, when, when mom, you know, made us go to church, we went. <laughs> um... And, and so we, we went some, but I just didn't, I never connected. It never connected for me. Now, I was all about me, so there's no wonder that it didn't connect because I didn't care for anything to do with God. It's all about me. What can I do? What do I want? What will I get out of it? It's all about me. So I, you know, graduate, go to college, live big in college, make a lot of stupid, stupid decisions, get out of college, you know, yeah, I had a major, but I really think my major was just doing really stupid, stupid things, so I carried that into my young adulthood, and somewhere along the way, in my early 20s, what I started to recognize in myself was that I was utterly and deeply without hope. There was no anchor in my life. Did I have family? Yes. Was I loved? Yes. Did I have friends? Yes. But there was no anchor in my life. I had this sense inside of me, and I believe that it is a God-given thing that he put in me, where I just knew that I knew that there was something more. I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't name it. But I just had that, that longing, that kind of continual, you know, just in me. There's something more. But I didn't know what it was. And so I had this strange tension going in my life where I felt like there was something more. But at the same time, I felt completely worthless. What a strange tension that I was actually created for something more, but that I am worthless. How do you balance that? You don't very well. Not without Jesus. And so I found myself just repeatedly just choosing me, choosing me. In many ways, distancing myself from my family and, just, and, ju- and then just being hopeless. And I don't know about you, but that, that can weigh on you. That, it weighed on me. And what I know and what I believe is by the grace of God is he, he positioned some people to be in my life. 
which is why you will hear me always talk about the importance of you being positioned in people's lives. If you are a Christ follower, position yourself in people's lives because you can change their lives for eternity. You change their kids' lives for eternity possibly by your influence in them. And so God positioned a few people in my life who were not perfect. Oh no, they were not perfect. But they loved Jesus. And they prayed for me. And they read their Bible. And they just went about their life. But what I saw in them was hope. What I saw in them was a hope for tomorrow. What I saw in them was that they, that, that, that they had been led in on some kind of a promise. And they lived into that. And I couldn't quite explain it, and I really didn't understand it, but I saw it then in them. And so I decided to ask a few more questions because they were positioned in my life. And so I went and bought a Bible because I didn't have one. The only Bible I had, kids, actually, was one I'd got when I was little, and it was still wrapped in the cellophane, the wrapper. And then I got a Dalmatian puppy. Do you know puppies like to chew things? Yeah, yeah uh-huh. Well, one day I came home, and my Dalmatian puppy, Pokey, had eaten everything from about Philippians all the way through Revelation. So I had no idea how this thing was going to end. So when I decided I did want to finally read my Bible, I had to go buy a new one. So I go and I buy this Bible, and I just start to read it. And I read it, and I read it, and I have these people positioned in my life, and these people are praying for me. And I am starting to see, is there something more? I'm starting to get a taste. I feel as if I'm created for something more. Is this it? Is this it, or is this just a book? Is, this, is the Bible just a book people wrote to not be afraid about death, or is it real? And as I read, and I read, and I read, folks, I started to get a glimmer of hope. I started to read things in the Bible that it seemed as if someone had written specifically for me. And I knew this was an old book, so that was kind of... And I read and I read, and people continued to pray and pray, and they were positioned in my life to be an influence, to be a guide. And I remember specifically the day I sat in my bedroom in between shifts, I was waiting tables and I was at home and I was in between shifts and I was reading the Bible once again and as I read it, I heard the voice of the Lord ask me a question. Shannon, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe what, what you've been reading? Do you believe what you have seen? Do you believe what these people who have been positioned around you, how they have been living and what they've been telling you and what they've been showing you? Do you believe? You just need to just decide. Do you believe? And in that moment, I just started weeping. I was overcome because in that moment, that tension that tension of believing I was created for something more, but at the same time feeling worthless, oh my goodness, they came crashing together. And that's heavy stuff. And I just started to weep at the reality that there was a God who created all things and he loved me. So I just started to cry. 
And because I didn't know the Christianese, right, the Christian language, all the things that we say and that we do upon this happening, I just sat there and I started. I didn't even know really what confession meant as far as talking to God. So I just sat there and I started to say, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I started to name the things that I could remember that I was sorry for. 24 years of sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And my Dalmatian puppy was there licking my face from the salty tears. And in that moment, I knew. I knew that I was created for something more. The anchor that I needed the hope that I was longing for, the purpose that I felt was always there but not quite, suddenly became real. Did I have it all figured out? No. Do I still? No. Heck no. But I knew. Saved from what? My family member asked me. Saved from what? If I could answer them today, I would say I was saved from myself. It was my greatest enemy. If I saved from what? If I could answer them again today, I would say I was saved from the heavy burdens of past mistakes. You with me on that? We don't want to carry those. Oh man, that's heavy stuff. Saved from what? If I could answer them today, I would say I was saved from trying to make sense of it all apart from God. My goodness. I see some smart people in here, but listen, apart from God, it's not going to make sense. It's not going to add up. Oh, I was saved from, from trying to understand life without the author of life. Saved from what? I was saved from death. Not just death like one day when I die and I'm separated from God, but folks, I was living in death. A lot of you in here understand what I say, when I, what, I, what I mean when I say that. I mean, your heart's beating and everything, you know, the lungs are doing their job, but, but death, that's what I was saved from. So I know that Jesus came to save a 24-year-old woman who was lost and in such need for hope and promise. And Jesus saves the 48-year-old man who's been trying to do it all and white knuckle it and push and push and go and work hard and achieve and get it all. And yet he still feels as if he's just a little bit removed from what he's truly supposed to be. Jesus came to save that man. And Jesus came to save the 96-year-old the who's been you know, fighting against God, yelling out against God their whole lives. But then they finally say yes. See, there's no discrimination when it comes to Jesus saving. He never looks at someone and says, oh, you're too young. And aren't we glad that he never looks at any of us and says, oh, it's been too long. It's been too long. Too far gone. Too many mistakes. Nope. I love the fact that Jesus saves. Jesus saves a nine-year-old boy. who has parents that love Jesus. They perfect? No. Who has grandparents that love Jesus? They perfect? No. 
aunts and uncles and family and friends who love Jesus. But see, all those people that love Jesus, they don't save the nine-year-old boy. They have been positioned in that boy's life to be an example of Christ. So then one day, that nine-year-old boy goes down to the river with his daddy after church. And he asks his daddy questions. And they talk. And they talk about Jesus. And they talk about what he came to do. What he came to do for that boy. And sitting in his daddy's truck, that boy and his dad, they pray together. And that boy says, Jesus, you've saved me. Jesus saves. Doesn't matter what age. Doesn't matter what your history says. Thank you, Lord. This is what he's came to do. This is what he's came to do in our lives. And again, it's not then we beam up to heaven. No, no, then we continue on the journey of faith and we position ourselves in other people's lives to tell them the good news. Jesus saves. This is salvation. See, this is, and, and, and I, I, this is the very best news you will ever hear, those two words, Jesus saves. The very best news you'll ever get. You're hired, that's great, those are great two words. You're pregnant, I don't know, it could be scary, it could be exciting, you never know. Marry me, again, could be scary, could be exciting, you don't know. We hear a lot of two-word things, but Jesus saves is the very best news you will ever hear. I talked to that young boy on the phone last Sunday as he was coming back from the river with his dad. And I told him, I said, this is the most important day in your life. This day is the most important day in your life because every other decision you make the rest of your life will come back to this moment. Every decision you make. Now, whether you choose to make the right decision, that's all up to us, folks. We got free will. We can choose to obey or not. But everything can come back to that moment. Who your friends are gonna be, come back to that moment, that day. Who are you gonna, who are you gonna position around in, in your life? Come back to that moment. What are you going to do with your free time and sports and things? How are you going to be a light for Jesus? Comes back to that moment. What you want to? What do you want to do with your brain, with the, with with all your skills and your abilities? What are you going to do in in business in your life? That's going to come back to that moment. It can. You going to glorify God with that? It can. One day that nine year old boy, he's he's going to find a sweet girl. He's going to want to marry that girl. It's going to come back to that decision right there. And maybe, this gets real scary, he might have kids one day. And how he raises those kids with that sweet girl comes back to that decision. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Jesus saves See, here's the thing, folks. Jesus came to make things new. 
We know that's why God sent him. It wasn't working the other way. The divide was too wide. We kept failing. We kept messing up. There was no way we were going to get to God. Jesus had to come, pay the price, shed his blood, break his body, pay for our sins so that we might have life. He came to make things new. So what did he do? He showed up in the form of a man, and he started to walk around and tell stories to people relevant to them that they understood and they got and then he started to draw among himself some friends some disciples he said I'm going to need some help I'm not going to be here forever I'm going to leave you to continue this work this is what he did and he did that because he had good news for them to tell and the good news and this is the good news is that Jesus loves sinners me and you and he brings life where there was death. And he makes way for the Holy Spirit of God to inspire us and teach us. And he saves. And he saves. He saves you, he saves me from a life separated from God. And what does he do? He welcomes us into a life of hope and promise. Jesus saves. And as his church, I want us to do everything that we are able to walk with people up to that point, to celebrate with them when they make that decision, and then to keep walking with them. I believe that is our role, that is our responsibility as a church in Lowndes County and in the world. So, if you aren't sure if you've ever made that decision to follow Jesus but you fully get it when I say what it's like to be tired trying to do it on your own if you get it when I say like you feel like you're floundering around and things are hopeless if you've never made that decision and you're tired of the floundering you're tired of the hopelessness you're tired of the, of the, of the lifelessness and you're ready to surrender. I would love it if you would pray this prayer with me. And what I would actually love to do is I would like all of us to pray. And I want us to do something a little different. I'm going to pray some sentence prayers, like one sentence and then pause. And if you, all of us, if you agree with the sentence that I pray, then I would like you to say amen. Now, Mallory and I practiced this yesterday, and she did great. So you know where the bar is set. Can you do it as good as or better than an eight-year-old girl? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for hope found in Jesus. Thank you for new life promised through Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that you loved us so much that you bridged the gap between your righteousness and our sin-dead lives. And you did this through the sinless, perfect life of your son, Jesus. We believe that Jesus took on our sin, all of it. That he gave his life in our place. That he rose again three days later and defeated sin and death once for all. God, we believe Jesus is the only way to true life. We humbly accept this truth.
We surrender our lives to you. We surrender our past and our present to you. We surrender our future to you. God, we believe that we were created to be in community. God, we walk away from sin. We turn from it now. We take your hand. We say yes to you. We will follow Jesus. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Church, would you celebrate with me? So some people just gave their lives to Jesus for the first time. I have no doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. None whatsoever. And listen, if that's you, I'm not going to make you stand up and, and wave your arm around. We ain't going to embarrass you. This is good news. But I want to tell you two things. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, two things. First of all, it's this. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. It's the best news ever. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. If you know someone's been praying for you, if you know someone's been an influence in your life, you know that, tell somebody. Second thing I'll tell you is tell us. Tell the church. On that connection card in the, in the pocket in front of you, there's a place for you to check. I accepted Christ today. Please mark it on there. Please put your name on there and your cell phone number, your email number, because I, email number, email, because I want to reach out to you. As a church, we want to walk alongside of you on this incredible journey that you're starting. Jesus saves. It's the best news you'll ever hear. And it's the best decision you will ever, ever make. In just a moment, we're going to have a little time of worship as my friend Grayson and I get ready for his baptism. We're going to celebrate that together at the end of the service. You know, I know that beyond people who've said yes to Jesus for the first time, I'm fairly certain that there's quite a few of us that have in praying those words, in saying those words, in agreeing with those words with amen, that we were turning back to God again. Tell somebody that too. Don't do this journey of faith by yourself. We were meant to be in community. Tell somebody. Celebrate. Make some changes. Make some choices. It's the best news ever. Father, thank you for your word and what it means and how it speaks to us and how it, how it changes. Your word changes our lives. No other word has the power to do that. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be your church in this community. God, we thank you for our kids up here up front. God, I pray that they continue to learn about you and to ask questions about you, that they would be a light and a witness for you in their schools and in their homes and in their neighborhoods. God, I pray that you would use us to, you would position us to be in the lives of other people. God, what a privilege it is to, to be doing what we're doing and celebrating what we're celebrating in just these seven weeks as a church. Thank you for the way you provide for us. Lord, as we return our gifts and offerings and, and those important connection cards with 
some really important information. God, I pray that you would, you would work in us and work through us and bless what is given and bless the prayers that have been prayed today because it's all for you. It's all for you. It's all because of Jesus, because he saves. And it's in that name we pray. Amen.